Hi, my name is Steph Bastian and welcome back to another episode of the Tattoo Tales podcast. Today's guest is David Speed, co-host of the Creative Rebels podcast. David has tattooed for a few years, he's an accomplished graffiti artist and since three years he has created together with Adam Brazier the Creative Rebels podcast, which quickly became well known amongst the creative community. Through a wide array of experts in fields such as business, mindset, finances, creativity, arts, marketing and the like, David matured an informed perspective on what's needed to build the best version of yourself and your business based on passion and optimization. This year Tattoo Tales will have more guests of this kind alongside influential and experienced tattoo artists so that their vision and expertise can bring you more tools to improve your personal and professional life and help you thrive as an artist. If you find value in the show, it would mean the world if you could help us reaching more people by leaving a five stars review on Spotify and iTunes and share your favorite episodes on your social medias. Now, enjoy the episode. Thank you for, for being here. I really appreciate you making the time. And uh, you have some experience in tattooing, right? We're talking about your email. Um, yeah, yeah. I tattooed for about three years. So very, very like dipped my toe into the industry and thought at one point that it might be my career, but things went a different route. You are the host, one of the hosts of the Creative Rebels podcast, which that's how I know you from, right? And um, I mean, you know this, but it's quite popular. And especially in within my industry, you know, your previous industry as well, uh, you know, people really find a lot of benefit from those uh, from episodes. I get people recommending me this all the time. So first of all, thank you for the content you put out there because it's really, yeah, really inspiring, I would say. Oh, that's lovely to hear, man. Thank you. I think when we set about making a show three years ago, we we always had the idea i think a lot of people sort of say to me oh i'm thinking of starting a podcast and what we always say to them is start with why like who are you trying to help or educate or entertain like what is it that you're really trying to do with your show and when we started three years ago we just had this idea of let's create a show that tells all of the secrets because i hate gatekeeping i hate it in tattooing i hate it in street art i hate it in any industry and there's a, there's so much of it that goes on that people get so sorry i'm just going on a rant now but but like if you think of the tattoo industry if you think of those guys that that like know you've got to wash the floor for three years before you even get to touch a machine and it's like i understand discipline and i understand like showing that you really want something but like is it really necessary to be mopping floors and doing all of the shitty jobs for three years before you're even able to touch a machine to me i i think no when i got my shot in in tattooing it was like it was someone who was going you're a good artist, let let me teach you what I know and being really open and sharing ideas. So I think when we started our podcast, we were like, let's create a show that shares ideas, that that shows we, we've got a successful business that we've run, been running for the past 10 years. Let's, let's tell people how we did it. Um, and so that was what we set out to do, but we didn't think that it would get to the stage where it's got and the number of downloads that it's had and and the the and and really like the people's lives that it's managed to change because like you said we do get people reaching out saying like thank you so much because they've done x y and z and and that's not down to me and my co-host adam being brilliant it's just down to us sharing what we know and then bringing on people that know more than we know and getting them to share what they know 
Um, and then it's down to the listener that actually takes the action that actually then goes and says, okay, well, I learned this and then this guest said that, but that doesn't really work for me. So let me take this thing that this guest said and they just go for it and then they start creating and they start seeing success and that's that's what we want. So um, so yeah, the podcast has changed my life, man. It's It's been, I mean, you've probably got a similar story with yours, like getting to sit down and just chat to cool people. That's, that's really fun. You know what? Like uh, it's fine that you mentioned the why because it's the same thing uh, type of approach that I try to follow, you know, the type of, I, I heard this from Simon Sinek, I think once that uh, start with why, and I've seen with personal experience that projects that I've done that have been successful have been organically developing, uh, following that, you know, from the why and then the how, and then the what rather than the opposite. You can, same thing, same way you can't plan a successful songs on the table, right? You sit down like, oh, let's make a successful song. So it's very interesting that you say that. And um, and as well, the gatekeeping stuff, right? This is very, you know, this this is very big in tattooing. And I, I think that the best way is always like the middle ground, meaning that uh, one thing is struggle that I see as beneficial, meaning that it makes you develop a sort of immune system, right? Meaning that when you have to kind of figure things out on your own, you develop a sort of appreciation and a sort of a, a mental elasticity in terms of, okay, you know what? I had a problem once I overcame it. I can do it again. And it becomes like a system in place, which is different from physical and psychological abuse. That's another story, right? Yes. So, you know, but I, I definitely agree with you that uh, sometimes it's just for um, other dynamics, you know, let's not get into that. But. I think so. I mean, we talk about on the show, we talk about success stacking, and so success stacking is seeing that you were successful in something else means that you've you've had success so that you're, you're then quite easily able to replicate it. And I think when I'm talking to like young creatives who are just starting their career and they're say 20 years old and they're looking at, at that their Instagram feed is a constant reminder of everyone who's established, who's better than them. And they, they just see that they, they're like, I'm here. How the hell am I going to get to here? But and then and then we just say like you've just got to trust in the process that you will get there because as soon as you've done one thing well then you get a little bit more confident going into the next thing and even if it's something completely different it's a different field a different skill you can always take if you've been successful once you can always take that forward it's like the reason the podcast we made it a success was because we had run a successful business for 10 years so we were like and we'd, we'd run a successful tattoo studio we'd run um, a street art company um, so we had success there. So we were like, well, let's try a podcast. I think we could probably make it successful because we've had success in the past. And I think there is something really beautiful about about testing yourself because video games are like billion dollar industry. And the reason that they're so popular is because they are very challenging tasks, but they're not impossible. So the human brain loves that. Like we come and we go, oh, this is going to be really difficult, but I can do it. And I think it's the same with creativity. It's the same with tattooing, it's the same with street art, it's the same with anything that you, you put your mind to. It's going to be really hard in the start, but as you apply yourself to it, you will become better at it and you can get successful at it. And then if you're a successful tattooer, who's to say then that you can't go and write a book with all the experiences that you've had over the years? Because you've been successful in one field, you can then parlay that over and go, look, here's all these people that are interested when I did this thing. I wonder how many of them would be interested in when I do this new thing. And you'll be surprised at how many, like how much of a crossover audience, even if it's something completely different, whether it's music or poetry or whatever it might be. 
how is this journey for you? Because when I think about the podcast and the value that some people find, you know, that is, is one aspect. But then I think when I talk about it, friends that ask me how it is, I'm like, you know what? Actually, if I, if I can say this in a little bit of a selfish way, I would say that first of all, this is a wonderful personal journey, you know, be, beyond how many people might listen to it or might find beneficial. I'm like, every single time I sit down to someone, First of all, you need to practice listening, which is a skill that today is, you know. And on the other hand, it's so enriching because people sit down and share their life and their views and their secrets and their, you know, uh, success hacks or whatever. And like, man, this is a blast, you know. And then if I get to change as well other people's perspective or help them, it's it's a plus. But first is like super personally enriching how how has been this journey which is crazy when you say three years because i thought it was more but you know you guys got uh very very big very quick and how is this how has this journey been for you like david how how do you yeah how would you remember this if you would talk in past time you know exactly the same way that you do in that every week i get to sit down and have an interesting conversation with someone and the phones go away and although since the pandemic it's been over Zoom, I, th I think you can still have a meaningful conversation over Zoom and there's no distractions and it's just you're locked in to that other person. And and I, I think fundamentally there's, there's, because our show is is going over the same things over and over again, we're always talking about creativity, we're always talking about becoming successful, that when you hear enough people say it, it just becomes a part of your life. And I think Adam and I were so nervous when we first started our podcast because we both hate our voice, how our voices sound when they're recorded, which I think everybody does. Um, we were we had imposter syndrome about like, well, what if we give people the wrong advice or, or we're not good enough or whatever it might be? What if the business we built over the last 10 years was an absolute fluke and we're, we're telling people how we did it and that's not actually how you build a successful business? We had all of these kind of doubts, but then three years later, after hundreds of conversations with some of the brightest minds on the planet and like people that I would call my heroes. So someone like Seth Godin, who, I mean, Seth, he was so hard to get, like Seth Godin doesn't really do interviews. And it was a whole kind of hoop jumping process to get him on. But to sit down with Seth Godin and, and talk to someone who's writing you've admired for many years and to get hit, to ask him the direct questions that we wanted to know because we knew our audience would also want to know the same things that was is so valuable and i yeah i get to do that every week i feel i feel really lucky and the fact that people listen in um and and we we had someone reach out and send a dm the other day like we've had the founder of netflix on um and she was saying i she was saying i know you like you get on people like the founder of netflix we've had the founder of twitch and she was like, and that's cool and whatever. She's like, but I'm much more interested in just hearing you and Adam speak. And it's so interesting that I mean, the, we'll continue to get on big founders and, and people like that because I do think that you can learn from anybody. And I think although most of us don't have the ambition to set up something like a Netflix, it is very interesting to talk to someone who's been on that journey and see what they've done where you can apply it to yourself. So just little things he was talking about testing. So finding like finding like if you've got an idea of what your product might be then testing that out first before you spend loads of money in development and all of that sort of stuff just little things that are sort of kind of obvious but i would have 
skipped out. So like now I always think when I'm about to put something out, I'm like, oh, like, is there a way that I can test this first? Is there a way that I can do sort of a, a dummy run where this is going to be uh, like a test of it? So um, I think just talking to these people, it just it just cements the things that I already knew. And then it, it teaches me new things every week. It's, there's always something that someone says that kind of will, will hit somewhere in your brain. And you're just like, mm, that's an interesting way of, of thinking about things because and that's why I try and get on like really diverse people on the show because someone who's coming at life from a completely different angle than you can bring up something that's going to spark your brain in a way that you've never thought of before and I think that's really beautiful and really useful um in in like a purely selfish way like that 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 helps me I mean in the last two years I've got 90,000 followers on Instagram um and 90,000 followers on TikTok and the reason I think that I've been able to do that is because when I all of a sudden there was a pandemic and, and our business really slowed down and I was like, I'm going to go out there and be a solo artist for the first time in my life like, and actually put my work out there. I had all of these, all of this time that I've been doing the podcast reaffirming all of these ideas that I thought to be true. I then just had to put them into practice and through kind of discipline and consistency and all of that over the past two years, like I've I've developed this whole new career that I never had any plans to develop until a pandemic came along but the reason I was able to do that and do it kind of fairly quickly because I didn't think I'd make I'd get that number like as a huge number of followers I didn't think I'd get that in just two years but I think the reason I was able to is because I could kind of hack it because well firstly I've got 20 years painting experience that helps but the other part of it is that every week I'm listening to all these people telling me this stuff and I'm like okay apply that to your own artwork and I did and it worked yeah let me ask you a personal question what's your relationship with the failure in this in this uh picture i think there's so many internet memes and stuff that say like fail fast fail forward fail often and i don't want to fail often i think that's really bad advice like if you can avoid failing like yes there are massive lessons in failure and if something goes like i mean so for example we did a job once that where we lost um, sixty thousand pounds, we lost by by a mistake that was made, where the dimensions of a wall were not measured properly. So everything that had been prepped for this wall had to be basically restarted, and it, it was like a, a huge, quote unquote, failure. That taught us triple check, quadruple check everything, especially on a huge project that's like a large scale mural where there's kind of scope for all this stuff to go wrong. Would I have rather? have someone said to me quadruple check every single job and us actually do it and avoided a 60 grand loss yes i would have rather have done that i like i think i could have learned that without losing without that being like a a, a, a massive failure and i think that whilst fa failure is a great teacher um i don't think that we should be searching for it i think I think what we should be searching for is we had a guest on Erica Lee Sears who who she paints a, a new painting every single day and when we were talking to her about like getting opportunities one thing that she said is you should be collecting no's so you should go and approach as many people as possible with the sole goal of trying to get them to say no to you so that would mean that you'd be asking for outlandish stuff like oh can I have an exhibition in your space can I uh, would you like to buy one of my paintings all of this sort of stuff and she was like you'd be remarkably surprised at how many people will actually say yes even though you're going for a no you're trying to get a no collect no's but don't collect failures like don't go out going oh, i'm going to try and fuck this up 
that's a, that's a silly move. Like, try and do everything to the best of your ability without it going wrong. When you first start your creative career, there's going to be hiccups, there's going to be mistakes. Um, I mean, it happens in tattooing, it happens in every industry where you'll take on the wrong client. And quite often when you get those vibes, when you first meet a client and they're talking through a project with you and you get that feeling in your stomach, I think this is going to be a problem client. 99.999% of the time they do turn out to be a nightmare client like trust that instinct but I feel like you've got to do a couple of those nightmare clients before you actually get up the courage to go maybe I'm not the artist for this and maybe I can recommend xyz if you want to like pass that burden off to someone else but like maybe maybe I'm not the 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 route to go down and I think especially when we're first starting out and money is is such a huge thing that that factors into the decisions that we make is like sometimes you have to say yes to the nightmare client even if you've got that feeling in in your pit of your stomach because you need to pay your rent and you can't turn that person away so there's there's that whole balance of it but as soon as you get to the stage where you can say no to people i think start doing that because that's yeah that's that's probably a failure where I think everyone will go through it some at some point where they take on a job where they really thought I probably shouldn't take this on. Either I'm not capable or uh, like I haven't got the skills for it yet or like this client's giving me really bad vibes and yeah, I think you should listen to those but don't yeah, don't go looking for failure, man. Just just try and make it a success every time. <laughs> I guess when I do fail, I I just um I don't let it destroy me. I think that too many people will it's like okay you've got to acknowledge it you've got to let it know it happened and then if it's if it's one of those big ones like spend a little bit of time in that dark place of like fuck can't believe this happened but then tomorrow's a new day like there's nothing you can do about a failure you've just got to move on and i see so many people like dwelling and because they made this screw up once like they're not wanting to do the same thing again and so it's like really holding them back and it's like tomorrow's another day move on like sometimes if you fucked like i've I've fucked stuff up before and it's like that person will never work with you again and that that feels really bad but like you just you've just got to sit in that and you've got to be be as apologetic as as possible and then you've just got to move on because you can't live your life like regretting things that you've done in the past you've got to keep moving like you've got you've got to move on from it try and learn from it and use that to be better next time Jumping on the subject, because I think it's one of the most important, at least personally, this is just a personal opinion, that uh, I get out of your podcast, your guest, you know, your, your thoughts, is that a crucial key in the creative process and in the, you know, pursuing a career and stuff is mindset, right? Apart from skills, because skills, it's, it's a lot of hours in, but what would you say, because you have you know, dwell in the tattooing world and then you move more into a creative, a bit more like a a branched out, you know, type of uh, world. What would you say is the most, like the biggest obstacle that people find often when it comes to mindset, you know, when it comes to no no, uh, objective obstacles, but something you have seen, okay, by experience, I've seen that this is something that when you improve it, your life quality goes up, you know, exponentially. What would you say is the... Um, so I would say it's self-belief. I think that as soon as you 
as soon as you do believe that literally anything on the planet is possible, anything that another human being has done, you can do. Uh, and there's a nice little formula um, that, that Adam uh, kind of, after I did a 20 minute rant about this subject, Adam was like, okay, so basically what you're saying is this, is that um, consistency plus patience, and then he did like that, that divide sign, um, divided by lifelong learning equals success. So to break that down, if you're consistently doing something and in the beginning you will suck and you will carry on and then you will get incrementally a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And then, but you're, but you're consistent, you're always doing it. Um, then, and, and you're continuing to learn as well, because there's, there's this saying that I love, which is not practice makes perfect, but practice makes permanent. So if you're doing something the wrong way, then like and you keep doing it the wrong way it's always going to be the wrong way so you've got to continuously be learning like be open listening to other people choosing mentors trying to learn from them but i feel like as soon as you start to and for me it was such a long process to self-belief and really it's only been the last couple of years that i've believed okay i'm actually capable of a lot um in my early 20s i was completely lost had no idea what i was doing and i think as soon as you start to realize like hang on, all of these other people have made a success at X, Y, and Z. That means I would be able to. And so the way that I sort of describe that is if I was to become a piano player next week, I truly believe that if I was in love with piano, I'm not in love with piano, so it would never work. But if I was in love with the sound that a piano made, but I'd never used my fingers like that before, I believe that in three to five years, I could become one of the best piano players in the world because it would be the passion for it that would help me stay consistent when I sucked. The passion for it would like would drive me forward, would keep me practicing because people don't practice like because that's the boring part. What they want is all of the joy and the success. They want to be good instantly. So they don't want to practice at it. They just want it to be handed on their lap like, oh, I'm great at playing piano, if that's the example we're using. And it doesn't work like that. So I know that I would sit through being really frustrated, knowing how it's supposed to sound, but knowing that I can't actually get my fingers to do that yet, but knowing that with enough time and enough patience and enough consistency that I would be able to get better at it. And then everyone weighs in with the the natural talent argument, which I think is complete bullshit. Uh, I think there's certain people who are born with different traits in their bodies that might make things easier so uh, maybe your fingers being a certain length might help your piano playing or if you're uh, it doesn't really work with sports because with sports there is natural talent because people are gifted with bodies that are then the instrument that they use but I think anything outside of sport if it's a creative practice or even if it's like maths or science or whatever it might be I don't think that you, anyone is gifted with a natural talent for something. I think it's developed over years. And I have people say to me like, oh, there was someone who uh, I went to school with who was a gifted artist. By like 12 years old, they were drawing sort of super realistic paintings and they were the best person in the class and they were better than everyone else. And if you take me back to when they were four years old, whatever they were scribbling on the paper looked exactly the same as whatever you were scribbling on the paper. But just gradually, as those years went by, that kid went home 
and was colouring in their colouring book. And then they started doing a drawing for their mum that their mum then put on the fridge and that made them do another drawing. And then they did another drawing. And all of this iceberg underneath the surface of the water that you can't see was then building up their artistic skills. And maybe they were building it up in other ways as well. See, I think this is, I think transferable skills are so important. So if, um, so for example, there's a boxing um, coach who teaches his students to dance first. And then they're, they're like, I can't remember where it is. It's like Belarus or somewhere like that. But like they, they all of his, all of his students like have crazy, crazy boxing skills because they've transferred the skills of learning how to dance, learning the footwork that they just can't be hit. They're, they're like they're just gone because you can't touch them so there might be something in your life that you've done elsewhere that brings these skills over so it makes it look that you're naturally talented at something so it's like if um if someone wanted to be a stand-up comedian and you'd go oh this guy's really naturally funny well maybe he's not naturally funny maybe he was like practicing with his twin brother for years on end and that was a transferable skill that when he, as soon as he stood on a stage with a microphone it sounded like he was really naturally fun and he, and he picked something up really quickly so that's to just address anyone who's listening who's saying yeah but there's people with natural talent if you want it bad enough and you work hard enough then you can achieve it and if I told I'd love to sit my younger self down I'd love to sit like 16 year old David down and tell him that because he would go that's bullshit that's not possible. There's no way that I could ever achieve anything like that. And if I could just give a, a pill to people that would be like, that would give them the belief, because as soon as they have the belief, then they'll do the work that, that will map to the success. But I think because people don't have that belief, they don't want to put the work in just in case. What if I put all of this hard work in and I don't actually make it at the end of it? And I think that it goes, so much of it goes back to what we were talking about, a failure. So many people are paralyzed of, I, I've got choice A and choice B, but one of them might be wrong. So they end up not taking either choice. And that's, that's just, you're not gonna go anywhere unless you move. Maybe choice A is completely wrong, but you've just got to do it, move through it and move on to the next thing. So I think that, that fear of failure is paralyzing people, it's holding them back. And as soon as they realize that, that they, they start to develop that self-belief of like, okay, this is possible. It, I might not get it next week. This might be a 10, 15, 20 year journey to get where I want to go. But half of the fun is going on that journey. Half of the fun is like learning something new, becoming really good at something new, like helping people with the thing that you do, like entertaining them or or showing them something new or, or like inspiring them. That's fucking beautiful, man. So I think that yeah, it's self-belief. And that was a long way of uh, explaining it. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it's good that you articulate your point. So then, then, you know, really understand, we get a, a peek into your head. What would you say it's your um, thought about inspiration and uh, originality? Meaning that sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh, how do such and such can make these designs that are always so innovative. And then I try to explain them that, okay, because you need to understand, first of all, they have different references. You know, I like this expression, which is go to the roots, not to the fruits. Meaning that if you come from that point, you have something that has been already digested by somebody else, you know? So I try to suggest, look, at least for me, it works if you go one or two steps back and you look for what inspired them, and then you're gonna adapt yourself. So it's about shifting the, you know, perception. What is your process when it comes to yeah, inspiration and originality? 
yeah so it's it's really interesting so if we if we think of like a traditional tattoo studio someone comes in and they say i want my three kids names on my wrist and and a star let's say your typical kind of like every tattooer has done that at some point like it's it's so common and you will say okay we're 100 pounds an hour and then that client will go oh but there's a shop down the road that does it for 60 pounds an hour and then that client then has a choice of whether they want to go and get it done cheaper because you're not the only person who can write those kids names in whatever font and add a little star to it any tattooer on the planet can do that so all of that client is then going to look for is who can deliver this for the cheapest value whereas if you have a unique style and you have something that you're the only person on the on the planet tattooing that then people won't come in and say how much is this per hour you will tell them how much you are and they will then decide like okay i'm going to travel from across the country to come and see you because you're the only person who does this style and i love it and that's something i want to wear for the rest of my life and that's true with illustration it's true with street art it's true across like all of the creative practices it's like when we were talking to seth godin one of the one of the things in his book he talks about is like fiverr the the website fiverr and fiverr offers anyone like you need something done we can all do it just pick one of us and if you're a a if you're a creator that's that's on fiverr that's a, it's a really difficult way to make a living because you're there's so much competition Whereas as soon as you rise out above that funk of like everyone does this and you have something unique, then you're able to charge a premium for that. You're able to pick and choose, like depending on how good you are, you're able to pick and choose the projects you want to take on. I've got friends who will literally say, I'm not going to tattoo the parts of, of a body that I don't enjoy tattooing on. I just want like big fleshy areas. I want arms and thighs because I don't want to break my back working on an area. So they just won't do it. And because they're able to, because they've built up enough of a, of a reputation that what they says, what they say goes. And it's such a difficult journey to get there. And I think if you're a young artist and you're scrolling through Instagram and you're looking at all of these people who are in that position and you're not there yet, it's just it's just going to be patience until you've built up your style and you can't just go and grab a style. It doesn't work like that. So there's Whenever I'm talking about style, there's one artist that I always bring up. She's called Kellyanna. And uh, I think her Instagram is Kellyanna London. She, she's, uh, she, she's been on the podcast. She's so fantastic. But when you learn her life story and you look at her work, you can see where she's been. So when she was a student, she used to go to fashion shows and she would be in the front row sketching the models as they walked down the runway. So she had like 30 seconds to produce these sketches, like super quick, super, super fast. Um, she's also really interested in sport and so the sport side of stuff comes across in in her figures and you can see all of this energy she she worked as a printmaker you can see these textures in her work that are clearly taken from printmaking and because she spent like a couple of years doing all of these things they all come together to make this cohesive style that's everywhere that she's been that doesn't happen unless you're consistently making in whatever you do so if you're a painter when you're painting you will first start emulating the people that you look up to you it's it's inevitable i mean some people will go down the plagiarism route but a lot of people are just heavily inspired by a certain artist they'll work through that and then all of a sudden by accident something will happen where and it's normally a mistake 
normally something goes wrong and they pick up the wrong color or they drop fucking i don't know they they drop um nail polish on their on the canvas and it melts the paint or something happens that 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 piques your interest and you go oh that's interesting let me see where that route takes me and that just comes with time so i think it just comes down to patience like if you don't have a style or you've got a style but it's not in demand yet you've just got to wait for people to catch up and i think then again then it comes back to just consistently making and creating because the more the more that you're putting out the more me and adam on the show call it flags like i think planting flags is the way that any creative grows and i think like tattooing and street art are the greatest ways to plant flags because your artwork is either on a wall for people to walk past and notice or on someone's skin where their friends can go who did that or a stranger stops you on the train and goes where did you get your sleeve done and i think so those two those two genres are like super good for planting flags but a flag is a flag is me being on this podcast is a flag for me because one percent of your listeners are then going to go and check out my podcast or they're going to follow me on Instagram and they might become a potential client in future or they might just be someone that's really into my stuff and comments on all of my Instagram photos, which is super helpful because the algorithm rewards that. So so this is a flag for me. But like you want to plant as many flags as you possibly can. It's like going to, uh, it, say you're a comedian, going to 100 different, um, going to 100 different open mics every night that you're there there's a chance that someone will discover you maybe someone will record it on their phone and upload it to tiktok and it blows up that's a flag it's like there's so many chances that we have to create something that becomes a chance for you to be discovered and maybe your flags aren't good enough yet maybe like maybe people see your flag and they're just like i it it doesn't it doesn't bring anything out of me it doesn't spark any sort of emotion like so i'm not going to interact with it but the more that you kind of work on it and you see what works and you kind of move more into that you're that's how you kind of hone down your style and you develop and you grow and you build a kind of audience of of fans and believers in your work around you and that's how you make it as a creative i mean that's that's really the the essence and it all starts from those early stages of like not really knowing what i'm doing but let's try this shit and just see what happens throw throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks <laughs> you know that in these regards i think that any any creative especially creative any creative outcome is is a reflection of you right and that's where you find i think the uniqueness of what you do that's why you know i talk again with with younger people sometimes and i say okay if you copy that too much basically you are just trying to be another person that is not you even if you really like it you know so when you cultivate like you mentioned before when you cultivate uh things that seem unrelated but you're passionate about you then some, somehow subconsciously you absorb them and then they come out when you less expect it, right? Instead of like copying somebody else. And, um, you know, with all the guests that you had, uh, you know, and all the, 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 the value that they brought to, to, to you and to the show, what would you say is or are uh, some of the most uh, mind-blowing for you personally things that you've heard or they've been said like either in terms of attitude advice or story something like oh that one really changed me it stuck with me and i implemented it that really blew my mind that's a good question um i think so much of it is is i can't pick out like one guest that said one thing so much of it is 
just looking at like just realizing the formula of realizing that every single guest that we've interviewed was consistent and i think that's one of been one of the main things and certainly for me as i was developing my solo career over the past two years is looking at everyone who's successful that is is regularly and i know there's so many creators that hate social media and there's that whole side of things and there's the social dilemma and there's there's books about how bad social media is etc 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 but noticing that the successful creators that were leveraging social media to live the kind of life that they wanted to live uh because for like for living the kind of life you want to live social media is really great um noticing how consistent they were i think that was a big thing um i think yeah consistency and discipline were de were definitely big factors um i think there was uh when we interviewed a lady called cindy gallup um she's basically a legend uh, of of the advertising industry and uh, i think she's in her 60s um she's like just worked on some, like some of the most amazing amazing projects and uh she was talking about negotiating and she was like when you're talking to a a a brand or, or you're trying to negotiate a new new job she's like you need to say the largest number that you can say whilst still keeping a straight face um and she's she's a real advocate of like asking for the maximum amount of cash that that you think you deserve um to do any sort of project uh that that was really interesting um there's obviously a whole there's a whole load of stuff that comes along with with money as a creative because there's so many creators that that really struggle to charge for things um but i think is but i think develop it as you develop your self-confidence you do start to develop that that cindy gallup confidence of of saying like fuck you pay me which i've seen her write on twitter several times which is really cool um she's such a badass man so um so so that was a good one um i think the whole interview with seth godin was just like bomb after bomb after bomb that just makes your brain explode um i think there there was one guest once where um i i sort of realized i i asked him are you happy and i realized what a dangerous question that was um and they answered it in a very kind of uh diplomatic way and i realized like I've got to be careful with the sort of questions that I ask because a, a question like that, if someone is not happy, um, is is kind of a really different, difficult question to answer. So um, that was another sort of, it, it's not something I learned, but it, it was something that sort of really hit me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, that's a difficult question. It's, it's um, I feel like our podcast exists as a body of work rather than individual episodes that are going to give you the key to something. It's almost like, going to the gym if you if you look in the mirror every week you're not going to notice any changes but if you go to the gym for six months and you never take your shirt off and you never look in the mirror after those six months you realize oh shit i'm actually really buff i think it's the same with the podcast of like there's no one episode that is going to change your life but after six months you start to realize hang on i'm I'm like showing up more and I'm I'm like gaining more confidence and I'm more consistent and uh it's almost like um we're we're like the the sort of like angel and devil on your shoulder we're just two angels and we're just like yeah do this do this do this um I think that's that's what it is so hopefully that answers your question yeah big time the the gym analogy was great that really really spot on and uh David do you have any routines that you you find beneficial 
again, it's trying to be consistent. I think that um, I read a book um, about habits by James Clear called Atomic Habits, and it talks about if you miss something twice, then that's when you're most likely to break a habit. So everyone will beat themselves up over like missing themselves. Like say if we use going to the gym as an example again, if you don't go to the gym on Monday, then a lot of people like beat themselves up and go, oh, I should have gone. So then they then then it just stops. But if you're forgiving of yourself, I would go, okay, I didn't go to the gym on Monday, but I can't miss two days in a row. So I'm definitely going on Tuesday. It gives you that kind of little bit of leeway. Um, and so it's the same with me with making work. It's like some days I get up and I'm like, do you know what? I'm not going to paint today. But I know creatives that that one day then turns into six months. And so I'm just sure to never make it be, okay, if I don't create today, tomorrow I'm definitely going to do something. Um, so that's a routine. I think um, I kind of, I go to bed at 10. Um, that's pretty religious. Like I, it's very rare that I go to bed later than 10. Um, just because I need a shit ton of sleep. Like I'm a sleepy boy. I need lots of sleep. I get up kind of around six or seven um, every day. I like getting up kind of fairly early especially if I'm doing street painting um, because if I've got a high-vis vest on and I'm painting at 6am in the morning it looks like I'm supposed to be there um, so I can kind of get away with murder in terms of street art um, but other than that that's that's kind of it I don't I'm not like I think obviously doing the podcast we have been we have listened to a lot of like entrepreneurial kind of content and there's all that stuff around like get up at 5am and 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 like kill yourself and and hustle and all of that sort of stuff and it's like i guess i'm more i'm not as like regimented as that um at the end of the day i'm still a creative uh my default setting is lazy so i just have to make sure that like what's like i know the life that i want and i know what it takes to get there and it's a fucking lot it's hard 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 work so because I do really want that life, I'm going to have to put that hard work in. And I think there's days where there's days where I didn't want to get up and paint, but then I'm so glad once I actually have done it. And there was there was one day in the pandemic where it's snowing in London and I decided to set myself the challenge of I'm going to paint in the snow just because I've never done it before. And I thought it would be a cool video if nothing else. I thought the time lapse there with all the snow falling, I thought that might be a kind of a cool video, which it fucking was. It, I really love that video. And I thought that this day was going to be like one of the worst days of my life. I thought it was going to be like like one of those challenges I was really doing like I don't know if you know David Goggins but the guy who just like he's just like he runs until his feet are bleeding and he's just like ridiculous. I was like, this is going to be like one of those David Goggins like tests of endurance. So I went out in the snow and I painted. And honestly, it's one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Mostly we we experience the snow. We go out, we throw a few snowballs, we get really cold and then we go inside. And for me, I was out there and I was probably out there for like four hours or something, four or five hours. And so that prolonged time out there and because it was during the pandemic as well, the streets of London were empty. This was like kind of early on when people were actually taking lockdown seriously and there was no one out. So I was just, I was on the roof of my studio looking out over a deserted London that was covered in snow and I'm not a particularly like spiritual person or any of that, but like something happened to me that day, like where I just had this like euphoric experience of watching snowflakes settle on my reference that I'm using to paint from, like just seeing 
individual snowflakes like settling on my paper and the cold like the cold disappeared after maybe like 30 minutes of painting and I was just there it was just me the snow and my work and and probably a podcast in my ears and it was just beautiful um and I think if I if I'd listened to the lazy side of me that had said it's snowing outside you moron go and curl up in your covers put Netflix on I wouldn't be having this discussion with you about a really beautiful experience that happened because that day with Netflix, while it might have felt nice in the moment, it wouldn't be extraordinary. It wouldn't be an experience. It wouldn't be something that I would be able to talk about on a podcast later. It would just be one of those kind of throwaway moments. So I guess what I try and do is minimize those throwaway moments. And I know that the fun shit is only going to come through showing up. So I just make sure that I go to work um, and that I and my thing is painting like I, it's it's not a chore for me to go and paint. And I think when you I always say this, like when you when you watch my videos on on Instagram that are typically 15 seconds, um, because after a while of like doing one minute videos and realizing, OK, the attention span of people is like so small, like literally I hit them with the, the 10 second or the 15 second video. That 10 seconds often represents a seven hour painting or a three day painting or whatever it might be, like a, a, a significant amount of time. It's like, in order for me to produce that 10 second video, I have to be in love with painting. It would be impossible for me to spend seven hours doing anything that I didn't love. Like, that would be impossible. So I think when people see a 10 second video, say say you're you're working on a on a on a um, say you're working on a back piece that's going to take like multiple, multiple, multiple sessions to put together. And then you post that picture on Instagram and people see it for 30 seconds and don't realize that that's like hundreds of hours of work that's gone into it. They like they then go, oh, I'd love to do that. But would they like would they truly be in love with it? Would they be in love with the process? Would they be in love with like the back breaking labor that goes into creating the work that we create and and like not to put myself in like the same league as tattooists but like as a as a street artist like going outside like like uh, I got I very nearly got arrested in Ibiza the other week like putting myself up for those risks like you have to be in love with what you do to to get to that stage do you know what I mean it's like the these these five second fleeting social media posts are representative of the things that these creators love to do and I think that love is so important because without it, it's just not sustainable. You can't be consistent. You can't push yourself up out of bed going, I want to stay under these covers, but I know that I love painting. And even though I don't want to paint in this moment, I know that once I'm there and the can's in my hand, I'm actually doing my thing, I'm going to have a good day. So it's it's just remembering that. In the end, it's like, what is the point of what you're doing, right? Because I talk to, to other artists and they're like, oh, maybe I should do this, I should do that. This would be better. I was like, yeah, but if you don't like it, if you're not enjoying it, what is the point? You know, yeah. the money, like money is a concept that the heart doesn't understand. You know, like, even if, of course, you know, you need to cover the basis. But And where would you like yourself and the podcast to be, let's say, I don't know, in the next three years? What what uh, is there something that you really... Uh, you have a dream or you have like a vision or you have something that you would really like really excites you just thinking about it going that way what would that be 
do you know what no there's um i'm perfectly happy with with where it's at um i know that it helps thousands of people every week and we get lovely feedback from listeners and that's that's super fun um i it would be great if it grows more um but adam and i don't put any work into growing the podcast um which just because we're both so busy with our with our lives and our careers that the way the podcast grows is people listen to it and they tell other people about it and whilst we could if we if it was our full-time job to just promote the podcast we'd have millions more listeners but because we just we make it we love doing it it's a couple of hours out of our schedule every every week and we put it out there and then we just let it live its life um and i i love the fact that there's hundreds of hours of internet content that even when i'm gone will still exist and hopefully will continue to help people that's that's really beautiful for me i think it's um i I said this in in our last episode the one that you just listened to but um the probably one out of ten people that stop me in the street say oh i listen to your podcast and most of them just say i i like your paintings but one of them will say i i listen to your podcast and that and i always my stock reply is it's the thing i'm most proud of um and i will I'll, i'll continue to be proud of it i'll continue to make it i think um we would really love to do some sort of like documentary um some sort of tv series where we where we kind of go and interview different creators in different parts of the world and like really explore their process and explore their studios i think that would be super cool um but aside from that it's just the just just keep helping people and and yeah so we we interviewed um someone called Chris Doe who has who runs a, a platform called The Future and his goal is to empower a billion creatives and I think that's dope man I think that's fucking dope because we're trying to do a similar thing but I don't have that number of a billion um, mine is just it'll find who it needs to find and um, it will continue to grow slow and steady and that and I'm perfectly happy with that because I've got like I've got a lot of shit going on like like so the podcast is something I love and it's definitely something that I I hope will continue to do for the rest of my life like I can't see it ever stopping um, but I don't have like this goal of like oh in three years time it will be it will have 12 million downloads or whatever it might be it's just it's just I just hope it's still there I hope it's still helping people I hope that we I hope <laughs> I think what I want to do is I want to be able to articulate myself better in that I just want to help people in a more efficient manner because it's like I know that a lot of what I'm talking about I know it's right because it worked for me and has worked for me several times and it's worked for other creators that I've that I've um interviewed but I just I just want to get it to the stage where like I don't have to talk for 15 minutes on a subject I can just say a couple of sentences and people go yeah I've got it okay over the next 3 years I want to work out what it is that I have to say that gets people to actually go after the thing that they fucking want because it's possible and yes i have my male white privilege and i was born in london which is a great place to be from and i have all of this stuff but like i i do truly believe that wherever you are on the ladder you might have to go like you might have to work harder you might have to do more uh it might be harder for you i mean we've interviewed people on the show who are like from working 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 class backgrounds who have spoken about like how hard it is to even get your first foot on the in the door in terms of like getting an apprenticeship somewhere because if it's unpaid they don't have 
rich parents that could support them to go and do that so they can't even get in for the unpaid positions in certain places um and i totally understand that and but tori who created bricks magazine who was talking to us about that like she's come from that background and she has made it and she's made this really successful magazine so i think if you can see another person out there that is like you that has managed to do the thing that you want to do there's a blueprint there there's there's someone has done it before like it means that it is possible so i just want to work out in three years time hopefully well we can we can revisit this show and i can say yeah i worked out what it was that got people to actually take action on the thing that they want to move away from the shitty nine to five that they that wasn't bringing them joy um if you've got a nine to five that you love i think that's fucking brilliant like i want i think that's the dream really is if someone can work at a nine to five and then have all of that else free time to do whatever they want and then go back to a job that they really love that's great but for me that wasn't for me i tried a bunch of different nine to fives i hated all of them and for me it's being creative it's using my creativity to make a job like to make my living that's what i want to do and i think if that's what people want to do it's totally possible i just need them to fucking execute and so yeah hopefully in three years i'll work out how to make people actually go for it because when i hear back from the people who have actually gone from it because interestingly, now that the show is three years old, we've got early day one listeners who have been putting the work in for the last three years and are really starting to see success. And you look at their Instagram accounts and they're popping off and they've got their 10K followers and they've got like orders coming in for whatever it is they sell or do or whatever it is. And like you look at those successes and you're just like, yes, yes, this is working. Um, so, yeah, I just hope for more of that. Yeah, thank you very much. I think, uh, I mean, you, you're already doing a great job. So definitely, I'm happy that you feel good about it, you know, because, uh, you know, I don't know you that close. And sometimes, you know, it can be a little frustrating when you ask a lot from yourself, like I'm in that position sometimes. And I'm like, no, man, you got to develop the other side, which is appreciation for what you got and not always like, oh, but it could be, but, you know, so I'm happy that, you know, you're satisfied. And uh, where can people find you? and find the podcast and um, all of that david so the podcast is called creative rebels and it's available on any podcast platform uh my instagram is at david speed uk so is my twitter so is my uh tiktok at david speed uk across all platforms and uh yeah thanks for having me man yeah i feel like we you know i could ask you things for like 10 more days <laughs> so. we'll do a part two in a couple of months yeah definitely man and hopefully i can you know when i pass next time by london we can have a coffee or something yeah yeah give me a shout for sure awesome thank you very much bro all right dude no worries take care have See a good day later.